following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. Hello, listeners on Saga 960 AM and those listening around the world on streaming and podcast services. This is It's Not Therapy. I am Leanna Kersner, and I am not a therapist, but I am your source for practical advice for everyday problems, using my top 10 sayings for checking in with your best self. This episode, we're going to talk about rejection and all the bad advice you've been given about dealing with it. I've got a super special guest this week, none other than Appa from Kim's Convenience and Carson Teva from The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. Paul Sun Hung Lee will be joining me here later for an extremely candid interview on dealing with rejection. So candid that if you're listening on the podcast version of this show, this is a special extended uncensored version of the interview. <laughs> if you've got a question, give me a call at 289-275-9600. That's 289-275-9600. Or you can email me at nottherapyshow.com. If that's too much to remember, you can go to nottherapyshow.com. There's a contact form right there, nottherapyshow.com or at nottherapyshow on Twitter and Instagram. So rejection. Rejection is one of those epic suck parts of life that no one likes, but everyone has to deal with to one extent or another. Rejection is experienced by the human brain the same way as physical pain. So those people you know who say it doesn't bother them, they're probably lying, possibly to themselves. It's possible to get better at handling rejection, but everyone is going to experience something in their lives that really knocks them down. Some of those are obvious, but other things hit you hard unpredictably. Some of this is due to negative self-talk or other life skills deficits, but sometimes rejection just hurts. And that's not a sign you're doing anything wrong. In fact, it might be a sign of healthy emotional attachments that just didn't go your way. We're going to focus heavily on one particular top 10 phrase this week because it's essential for dealing with rejection. And that top 10 phrase is, Healthy goals are based on things you can control. If you're constantly feeling rejected, you may have an overly external locus of control. The term locus of control refers to your perception of the main underlying causes of the events in your life. An internal locus of control means you believe that you can shape what happens to you. An external locus of control means you feel like your destiny is controlled by external forces. A healthy locus of control sits in between those two extremes. No one, no one has complete control over what happens to them. But we usually have more control than we realize, especially regarding the stories we tell ourselves about what happens to us. And this is where goal setting comes in. How you feel about an outcome is heavily reliant on your expectations going in. So if you set your expectations too low or too vaguely, you end up feeling like you didn't accomplish anything. You set your expectations too high and you can end up disappointed no matter how well things go. Now, if you set your expectations too externally, too reliant on other people, well, you can end up feeling rejected a lot. 
But if you set your expectations to internally, well, you're Elon Musk spending $44 billion on Twitter only to set the place on fire in the first week. Narcissists have an unhealthily internal locus of control. They think everything is an extension of themselves and they're a master of their own destiny. Now, this may seem like confidence at first, but it's not. Narcissism is considered a disorder for a reason because it negatively impacts your life. But other things can set a locus of control to inward as well and actually cause the opposite of narcissism, you know, a lack of self-concept, a lack of self-esteem. Were you ever told as a kid, you can do anything you set your mind to? Uh-huh. No. No, you can't. How about study hard, work hard, and you'll go to college and get a good job? Yeah. As if any individual can control big picture economic trends. How about this one? Don't let them get to you. Oh, out of all of them, don't let them get to you is my least favorite of these phrases. Because people usually say it, they say don't let them get to you when they have already gotten to you. And it just makes you feel like you did something wrong because you feel bad, doesn't it? Don't let them get to you. Yeah, well, they've gotten to me. And you didn't do anything wrong. Feelings are not moral failings. We talked last week about acceptance. And a big part of acceptance work is recognizing that not everything is in your control. So not everything is your fault. Some stuff just happens. But a lot of people don't see the actual control that they do have because, well, making choices is hard and kind of scary in real life. Making good choices takes practice. It takes wisdom. And you don't always get it right. Sometimes there isn't even a right to get. But the contradiction is your brain really likes making choices. That's why video games are fun and why companies make consumer electronics like cell phones and cell phone cases and a range of colors and styles. People like picking out stuff. But some people are afraid to make choices or at least some critical choices because what if they get it wrong? What if someone calls them stupid or weird or a lot worse? And that's why we're talking about dealing with rejection. Human beings need to strive. And if you never make choices, you never want things because you're so afraid of the reactions of other people, you're going to end up feeling pretty unfulfilled because you can't control the reactions of other people, but you still deserve to want something out of your life. Again, Healthy goals are based on things you can control. Let's take an example that comes up a lot when I work with my coaching clients. Dating. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> For a lot of people, the idea of asking someone out is terrifying because rejection. 
We talked about cancel culture in a previous episode, so we're not going to go on there. We're going to do the old-fashioned kind of rejection. Because I feel you. I'm kind of a feminist. Okay. I'm a lot of a feminist. And that kicked in when I was a kid in the 80s and saw absolutely no reason that I couldn't be Lion-O from Thundercats when I grew up. I wasn't exactly big on sweating the details back then. Now, I'd always had guy friends, so I didn't think asking a guy to dance would be that big a deal. Well, (laughs) jump to, it was like the 7th or 8th grade. School dance. (laughs) We'll do the Golden Girls. Picture it. (laughs) I won't say my my junior high school. It wasn't even a school gym dance. It was the cafeteria. So I asked this guy, Tony, to dance. Why? Why not? I thought, it was a dance. None of us were doing anything. Why not? Well, (laughs) you know there's a why not coming, right? The why not is because not only did Tony say no, but he told all his friends about it. And they made fun of me. Now, it was not my finest hour either, because when people asked me if it was true, I lied and said it wasn't. And that might be one of the things that really put me off lying, because as humiliating as that whole thing was, the thing that bothered me the longest was that lie, not the behavior of the complete jerk who clearly didn't know it was good. (laughs) Joking aside, I do still remember to this day how mortifying that was. But could I control what another awkward preteen did? No. It seems so obvious when we hear stories of other people getting rejected that they didn't do anything wrong. They were a good person. The other person just didn't appreciate them and were kind of stupid. But when it's us, when it's ourselves on the receiving end, we sometimes play the whole thing back over and over again in our heads, beating ourselves up, trying to woulda, coulda, shoulda a different outcome, right? And if you're shy or an introvert, and I'm both, I know, right? I fake extroversion well. But if you're shy or an introvert, asking for stuff, any stuff, can be miserable. But I learned a good trick from a friend of mine who's an MBA. Treat everything as practice and approach people primarily for information. If you set a goal for yourself that's just about the ask, not about the result, you'll end up feeling better about the outcome than if you hinge your expectations on the part of the exchange that you can't control. Apparently, MBAs go out and interview for jobs when they have a job and they don't want the job they're interviewing for. They just want to stay in practice going to interviews. And then apparently it also gets around to the company. Why are they interviewing that? It's apparently a way to you know, jockey a negotiating position. Life hack. But I thought this was crazy. Interviewing for jobs is super stressful. Why would you? And then I realized what they're doing is taking some of the sting out of the jobs they want but don't get. Because all those interviews, the ones you want, the ones you don't want, they all just end up being practice. It's lowering the stakes. And that may seem hard to adapt to socializing. And yeah, it's harder for introverts because as a rule, we interact with fewer people. So 
our chances for success are lower. But I tell my personal clients who are working on socializing and dating that every time they initiate a conversation, I'm proud of them, no matter what happens. And this seems baffling to them at first until, you know, they do it a few times. Because as exhausting as it is, sometimes dealing with as many people as I do as an introvert, I have to admit that that churn of people makes it much harder and less likely to dwell on the interactions that just don't work out. They just get lost in in the churn. Of course, hearing how other people handle the challenge of rejection also helps, right? And, you know, actors, rejection, this is a good excuse to talk to an actor I think is so great. And he didn't say no to the interview. First time that's happened with someone really famous, Paul Sung-Hyung Lee of Kim's Convenience and the Mandalorian fame. Star Wars guys, Star Wars, super excited. We'll be here to talk to us after the break on It's Not Therapy, Don't Go Away. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. It's time once again for the It's Not Therapy interview and you guys know I've been freaking out all show, excited about this. We have someone from Star Wars. Guys, you know I talk about Star Wars all the time on this show. But he's not just from Star Wars. This is one of the coolest people on the planet for me. I've got Mr. Kim from Kim's Convenience and Captain Carson Teva, Paul Sung-Hyung Lee, here to talk about rejection and dealing (laughs) with rejection. Because, Paul, you are an actor. You've been around a long time. You were also in Rainbow Six Vegas. I'm super stoked (laughs) about that, too. But I imagine there were a lot of parts you didn't get over the years so how do you prepare yourself for that and how do you handle it when you have to deal with the rejection that comes with the business yeah i I think really first of all thank you what a wonderful introduction (laughs) um and uh makes makes all the all all those trials and tribulations worth it uh in the end i I think you kind of hit the the nail right on the head uh in terms of just realizing that we are in a profession which is largely based around failure and rejection yeah Yeah. right and it's just it it can be like once you get that in your head that it's nothing personal sometimes it it's just up to the 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 producer's choice or the director's choice you know something intangible you can't take it personally this this is this is an industry where it literally is you have dozens if not hundreds if not thousands of people competing for the same work Right. And so not everyone can get cast. And there are times where I know as a performer, I've gone, well, they're just being lazy and they're just going with the same person again and again and again. Well, there's something Mm -hmm. to once you do unlock that and you start to book things, you start to realize that, you know, there's so many different factors in play there. Um, But uh, really, you just that's part of the business. If you want to be in it, you got to you have to kind of deal with that and. I always say I was always too stupid and too stubborn to quit. And so with the rejection came for me, uh, at least, um, it was a shifting in perspective, in perspective, because, you know, when you start off 
and you're young and you're full of mm -hmm. energy and you're going to mm -hmm. get cast in every TV show and you're going to be the lead in a movie and you're going to do all these things because you're an actor and that's what actors do. And yeah. I'm going to be successful no matter what. And then when the work doesn't come your way or you don't get those roles and it becomes very obvious that you're not going to be getting those roles anytime soon, you have to start, at least for me, I, I came to the conclusion that, okay, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to keep acting? Yes. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I love it and I don't want to do anything else. Okay. So what are you prepared to do to stay in it? And for me, it was like, okay, so I was in my mind, I, I thought, well, I'm never going to get the lead role in anything. Uh, back in the nineties, it was very, very, well, I mean, it was whitewashed. Everything was whitewashed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Asian roles. Well, we're going to change it to a white character, right? There's a number of different franchises where they change the ethnicity of a character and, you know, and, and that was, that's a product of the time. You know, audiences would only accept white characters and blah, blah, blah. These, these other BIPOC artists, they're, they're unknown or they're unskilled or all these things. So for whatever reasons, we're not going to cast them in lead roles, but we will cast them as window dressing or this, that. So, the, you know, they cut down the pie a little bit. Mm -hmm, but for me, mm -hmm. I came to the conclusion that, okay, I'm not going to cast for these, but I want to keep acting. What kind of roles are afforded to me and what can mm -hmm. I do to get them? And so I decided in my mind that I was going to be the best character actor I could be. And that sort of, that helped. That helped sort of my mindset, the whole thing. It's like, I'm not going to get a chance, a chance even to audition yeah. for these lead roles. But the roles I'm going to get a chance to, I'm going to book. I'm going to be so good at it that they're going to want to ask me back. I'm going to learn as much as I can. And I'll work and I'll be prolific. And I might not be one of those household names, but that's fine because I just wanted to be in the industry and I wanted to work. And there's some really great character actors. That, and when I say character actors, I mean, you know, the, the utility uh, sort of journeyman actors who show up in everything, little parts mm -hmm. in everything. And you look at them and go, oh, I've seen this person in something else. You can't, you'll never remember their name, but you kind of remember their faces and hopefully you remember their performances. And it was one of those things where, you know, uh, ironically, a lot of these character actors that I really loved became mainstream actors like Paul yep. Giamatti he started off and you see the roles at the beginning he played a certain type yep. until he hit yep. it big and then all of a sudden it's like oh my god and then you start seeing him in all these other you went oh oh shit he was in this movie oh he was in that movie too oh my god yep. and so that's that's kind of what I was really really happy wanting to do that and my mindset was whenever I did get work was to learn as much as possible while I was working talk to the performers talk to the crew Look, learn, observe, be prepared, do the work, be pleasant on set, be kind, you know, all these different things so that, you know, this, this, that was my training because I wasn't going to get to play these bigger parts and learn. So with what I got, this is what I wanted to do. So you, you kind of, you work with what you're given. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot because if you look at my resume up until really like, well, there was train 48, right? But up until then. It was a lot of day player stuff. Yeah. You know, emergency room doctor, delivery room doctor, convenience store owner, thug number one, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Like yeah. just really yeah. tiny little parts where I was never driving the narrative. It wasn't my character's narrative. It was always some other character's narrative, which was fine. But I learned a lot and I observed lead actors and how they carried themselves on set, how they treated other people. And in my mind, it was just okay. If I ever get to this position, I know how I want to treat people. I know what kind of atmosphere I want to create on set. 
and I'll be ready for if and when that time ever comes. And then I landed Kim's convenience. But it really landed. I mean, they kind of gave it to me, but they, they kind of had to. <laughs> um, but it was like that whole, and it's that, it's, you know, being a lead actor on anything isn't just, I've got the most scenes, I'm just going to show up. And it, it's right. not that. You are literally a leader on set. You That's help right. set the tone. Right. With how you interact with other performers that are coming in, how you interact with the crew, how you collaborate with the directors, the produce, all that stuff. There's a lot more to it than just having the most lines yeah. right, and being in the most scenes. Yeah. And so that was something that was, uh, you know, I learned by observing other lead actors and asking questions. If, you know, I never wanted to bother them, but if they seemed open enough to just have real conversations with them and just be curious and ask those questions. And this was all to sort of help inform uh, my own journey. Mm -hmm. And and that was it. And, you know, along the way, there's a lot of failure, a lot of rejection. I mean, uh, there are parts that I really wanted, like I was just dying to get and feeling absolutely crushed mm -hmm. that I didn't get them. But I, I knew at the end, it was like, okay, well, there's going to be something else then. And you just keep plugging away and keep plugging away and you, you do the things that keep you um, rejuvenated, that keep you inspired so that you can go through. And sometimes it's a grind. It's mm -hmm. not all, oh, it's, oh, I didn't book this. It'll be fine. Something is, it's never like that. I mean, right. there's that, more, that, that period of like, you know, I don't know if I could swear. I just, I think I already swore already on this, but you know, it's just like F this, F that. They're, they're dumb. They're stupid. I can't believe. Yeah. Why would they do that? And that, that whole, there's, you're allowed to have those feelings, but then you got to flush them. And right. for your own mental health to move on, because if you hold on to them, it, it just, it's like adding layers of garbage and negativity. And before you know, it, it becomes so heavy, it sinks so deep inside of you that it really starts to affect everything else in your life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that there's got to be that separation too between work and life, I believe even more so now, um, just to keep that balance and to stay healthy. You need to sometimes, and sometimes you, you need to focus on other things in life in order to just sort of feel like, okay, it, it's not all just about getting the work, right? My yeah. life isn't just about that. And you can find successes in, in other things, things that make you happy, things that keep you sane, keep you going, that inspire you. And it can be through um, friendship, it can be through family relationships, it can be through hobbies. Um, some sort of like uh, volunteer work, things to keep your mind engaged in maybe something else that you can be successful at. You could be learning how to craft things. You could be reading more, doing things just for your own sense of balance. Um, and then just, just keep going. You just mm -hmm. keep going um, because the world's not gonna stop for you and everybody's not gonna stop and kind of go, you, you'll get kind people and people who care and love you who mm -hmm. will do that. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, the rest of the world just goes on. Um, that's very true. That's the one thing that I think once you, once you hit that stage of inertia where you just slow down and stop and you sit there in that pocket of negativity, it's really hard to get out of that. So you just got to keep going. And you have to realize that we got to keep going. Just how do you get through hell? One step at a time type thing, right? How do you an elephant one bite at a time? And you just keep going. You know, times where it's gonna fly, and other times where it's gonna feel like you're going backwards. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So yeah, 
And yeah. we've all, that's, that's normal. I think that's normal. We all go through that. And I think more and more as I've gotten older too, it's, it's like trying to realize that we all have our own stories, our own, I mean, you keep hearing this again and again and again. So I try not to be as quick to be re as reactive as mm -hmm. possible because you don't know what led somebody to this point where they're like, Oh, that was super rude. <laughs> no, no. And sometimes they're just jerks. That's yeah. that, and that's possible. But sometimes it's like there's a lot going on. You don't realize because I don't think people want to go out and just be jerks on purpose. I mean, it takes a special kind of asshole to do that. Right? <laughs> yeah. This is where I find my joy. I'm going to antagonize and troll just to make myself feel better. I think that's a very small subset of of the human species, or at least I hope it is. But for right. me, I'm, I, I try to stay as optimistic as possible and, and sort of go, okay, take a breath, really listen to this person. And then the other thing is like, do I really need to engage in some with somebody who's going to be like yeah. that? Sometimes it's like, you have your journey and you might be an asshole or you might just be going through a lot of things. I will be kind, but I'll be, you know, I'm going to keep this interaction to a minimum yeah. because <laughs> I don't want your, your, that's not my monkey, not my circus type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I'll like, be kind over yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. from a distance. Yeah, yeah. You know, God be with you. And yeah. then you sort of go your way, right? And, yeah. and that's that's kind of a self preservation mechanism as well. Right. It's just like, yeah, and that that's we all have, I think, a certain amount of social currency and or battery charge where you can interact with people to a certain point, but then when your charge gets low, you need to recharge and back away yeah. sometimes, right? Yeah, and and yeah. that's a thing. Yeah, because I mean, you you go by the moniker bitter Asian dude. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you've touched on that a bit. I guess there was a point in time where you were. I think we all go through that yeah. in in media, that there's a point where it really does get to you and you have to sort of come through that. Yeah. And then, I mean, you had that phenomenal success, well deserved with Kim's Convenience. Right. And mm. then, I mean, Canadian sitcoms, Canadian anything in media, people line up to hate on it, no matter how good it is. <laughs> right. right. And so you've got this incredible success. And then there's this new type of rejection that you have mm -hmm. to deal with. And that messes with you because you're like, oh, at least oh, you finally made it. Wait, this is the same stuff repackaged in a different way. Did it hit you differently or did you find that meaningful success made it easier to deal with? Um, I, well, I guess I, I'm trying to figure out what you're talking about when you say like it's the same stuff sort of packaged a different way. Like the industry itself, like finally making it to that the, level, and then well, the the industry itself tends to I people tend to sneer, especially comedy. Right. You know, it's not serious enough for, you know, they always right. find something to dig at one little yeah. comment or one line on the show or, you know, that one script that just didn't right. come together and you had to perform it anyway. And somehow the actors get blamed for the writing. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's always something. And you know, yeah, yeah, I, I think my personal experience going through doing doing Kim's mm -hmm. was, I, I don't know, it was really. Uh, wasn't like that. Okay. I was like the stuff that I was given, like I knew going in that this was going to be an incredible opportunity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, to be a lead. And for me, it's like, I'm probably never, ever going to be a lead again. So when I do this, I want to do it right. Right. And so I prepped like a beast um, going into it. 
And yeah. that was my thing was no one's going to have to wait for me. Mm -hmm. I'll be ready to rock and roll. I will have three days worth of scripts memorized in my head. Um, I'm going to be going, I'm going to set the example because if I'm off book completely and I've made choices and I've done my homework, yeah. no one else has that excuse to kind of go, it's like, well, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not, I wasn't prepped. Right. And I also be just because I wanted to set the bar really high because when you're prepped like that, you can have fun because there's that room right. of you're not scrambling for lines or this or that. Now, the scripts, it helped that the scripts, I was very, it, for the first few seasons, I know not everybody in the cast, especially near the end, was happy yeah, with yeah, that, their that characters, where public. they were going. Yeah. yeah, and that's their journey. Right. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna discount it, like how they felt at all about that. Um, I was in there with them and I, I tried to support them as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But in the end, for me, I was like, I realized that this was um, a character that really wasn't, we, we wanted to ground them in reality yeah. and in truth. And that's why I based it on my dad, his voice, his mannerisms. Uh, there's my mom's sense of humor is in there with my dad, like my mom's temper with my dad's sense mm -hmm. of humor, mm -hmm. all these things to inform this character. But at the end of the day, it was a sitcom. Right. Um, now, it wasn't one of those multi multi-camera laugh track type sitcoms, single camera comedy. Mm -hmm. We tried to keep it grounded. We tried to make the humor a little bit more grounded. But at the end, there were some ridiculous circumstances that sort of happened. Situational comedy. Mm -hmm. But we tried to play them as the, hum the humor, at least, as truthfully as possible. So if these were real people and this actually happened, how did they get there? How do they react to it? How do we make this believable? So we're not right. turning into episode an episode of Three's Company. Right. You know? Not that there's anything wrong with Three's Company. And there's absolutely but, nothing yeah. wrong with that. But we've seen that style of comedy a bunch of times. And we're trying to do yeah. something a little bit different for kids. Yeah. And so I was always happy with the way uh, Appa went. I think there were times where I said, look, I don't want him to turn into a parody of himself. I don't yeah. want this, the repetition of the same joke. And I remember having some discussions with some directors who said, well, I think Appa would do that. And I said, he could do that, but we've done that. And I don't want him to be this rote character that just does that all the time. I would rather explore what if he did this? Because that's my job as an actor. And because, you know, I kind of get got to know the character kinda, just quite a intimately. Little. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So somebody telling me, well, Appa would do this was a, always an interesting conversation starter. Uh, especially because that's tough yeah, yeah because you, know, you don't you don't want to be that guy but at the same time it's your character you know him yeah. better than anybody else but at the same time too my job was to make that work right and so the the what we end up doing is just variations we got, right. oh, we'll try it this way we'll try it this way we'll do it this way and we'll see what what feels right in the editing room afterwards or whatever now i had no say in any of the editing right but what we did and how they kept uh, me happy, at least, was, okay, well, we'll do it different ways. We'll do different versions of it. It's like, okay, that's fine. And they'll choose. And as a performer, that's out of my hands. And so I trust that they will do right by the character mm -hmm. and they will serve the story and the character at the same time. Because I think if you serve the characters well, the story, if it's well-written, is should maintain its integrity and stuff. So I never had that much of a problem with what they asked my character to do. That was my job. My job was to make it work. Um, and, you know, some, some of the other performers, uh, they're different people. 
So right. they'll have different, um, different ways of approaching the work. Uh, certain lines are like, nope, not going to do that, which is fine too. That's that is there, their right. There are I think it's performance in their career too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it, it was like for me, it was like, okay, um, all I can do is lead by example and just sort of show this is this is how I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. This is you can you can do these things. You can have these conversations with grace, with you know, in a collaborative spirit, it doesn't necessarily have to be a huge conflict. And to be honest, I never really saw that much of that. There mm -hmm. were times, I'm not going to lie, there were times where it was just like heated discussions over what was going to happen. There always are. That's yeah. part of the process. But that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a creative process, right? Yeah. But what's funny is perceptions, outsiders' perceptions who aren't there, and they hear what happens based on just one point of view. Yeah. And then it becomes, oh, well, the whole show must have been like, and it, I'm saying right now, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was not. It's never and one thing, right? No. Yeah. There's, it takes two to fight, honestly. It takes two to fight, always. And so, you know, when my time on, on Kim's, I will always, always have nothing but great feelings about because we opened so many doors. We created so many opportunities, not just for us, but for other writers, for directors, um, you know, and, and it was just one of those shows that I think in the, because of how it ended, people love that clickbaity material of, ooh, yeah. conflict, oh, yeah. this was a show oh, yeah. that was, let's, let's see the sordid details behind it. And really, there weren't that many. Mm -hmm. um, every show makes mistakes. Everyone, and it's one of those things where, well, let's not discount all the good the show did and the show for me was a tremendous platform a launching pad for me to get more work and yeah. you know and I, again it, it is one of those things where I, I keep preaching to the younger actors you know kindness mm -hmm. it, it really is how you treat people your reputation will take you just as far as your work because if you are difficult a difficult person to work with on set, very, people aren't edge working around, they, then they'll go, it doesn't matter how talented you are after a certain point. I, and I've run into a number of people now where it's like no assholes policy. Yeah. They, yeah. They, you know, yeah. you've been in it for so long. It's like, why would I go to work with somebody who's going to make my life miserable? Yeah. And then you just sort of go on. And I think in the end, that's everybody's right is to say, I don't want to work with somebody who's going to be, who's going to make me feel like garbage. Who's going to make, you know, so. I, I get that. And, but it's always, for me, it's like, we should just be treating people with courtesy and kindness all the time. Mm -hmm. that, that should be our default. Shouldn't be, oh, I better be good because I want to work. It should be, I want to be kind to everybody because I right. love working. Right. It's a totally different motivation. Yeah. yeah it, you know, and you keep hitting on this internal locus of control, set your goals based on things you can't control. And that's something I, I stress a lot. It really does help. Mm -hmm. when the bumps hit i think people don't realize how many shows in all media barely get made to begin yeah. with like it's always a squeaker yeah right i mean and yeah. now i mean now you're on something huge right now you're on star wars every person's dream probably but that's gotta be a big change and there's a lot going on in terms of the discourse surrounding star wars and that in and of itself i imagine mm -hmm. can sting to an extent because you are a person of color you are on star wars that's a major 
flashpoint i think ridiculously considering the franchise but that that's not you know that's not so easy to wipe away of oh hundreds of people audition that's a different type of rejection right yeah that's going after something you can't control you were born this way you you know you're you're great in the part um and you know so so are your colleagues so how do you deal with that because that i've been talking to a lot of people that hits differently mm-hmm. for for obvious well maybe not obvious for some people but it hits differently for very real reasons yeah i i mean i've been very fortunate and i'll be upfront about this with regards to star wars because mm-hmm. i didn't have to audition oh they, they contacted they just, you they flat out offered me a part nice so and that was my first my first gig in the u.s right right but a lot of that stemmed from kim's convenience right so they were as was relayed to me they were trying to cast this one character i had a pre-existing relationship um friendship with uh deborah chow who was one of the directors in season one and she also did obi-wan kenobi that mini i I watched the behind the scenes on that i'm not gonna lie yeah (laughs) it was great yeah yeah you know she's canadian yeah and i met her yeah i met her like oh my god uh 26 years ago 20 no it was much longer than that Mm -hmm. working at the factory theater in toronto and she was an aspiring filmmaker and i was an aspiring actor just out of university and um so i knew her from way back in the day when we were just starting and so um you know we we reconnected while we're in la just sheer blind ass luck and uh she she was like i've been trying to get in touch with you because dave filoni mm-hmm. who's one of the executive producers and co-showrunners on the mandalorian that's likes, underselling it but yeah yeah well, <laughs> he loves your work from kids yeah, yeah. and he wants he wants to write something for you and i was like you're full of shit, but that's awesome thank yeah. you so much yeah and uh she was like so the, i got a set visit i visited this mandalorian set uh during se- uh season one got a chance to meet with Dave, really connected with him on uh, so many different levels. Wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, and then, you know, just sort of like went home going like, I just experienced something. Right, very a religious few people experience. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was amazing. my that was my Mecca type thing. And it was like, yeah. oh, that was fantastic. Just so grateful and humbled by it and still in disbelief. And then, you know, six months later, get a call my agents like this so Lucasfilm called and they want to know your availability I was like, okay oh god so I, I didn't even know what the part was right they just they gave me the code name for the for the character oh wow right? that's okay. how secretive it was yeah, no description yeah, yeah. no nothing it was just like the code name was foodie pilot and I went, what the hell is that <laughs> and me being so literal like is he some kind of cook does he bring the food in like with through a ship is mm-hmm. it something I had no idea I didn't care right right yeah and i I guess you can't really audition for that because you know what the part is so yeah handpicking people is the way to go yeah well and sometimes though what they'll do is you'll audition for it and they'll give you fake sides so they just give you a scene and just sort of see that you you have some ability or some craft right 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 right. all that but that it's matching their expectations yeah yeah and um so i got like yes and i thought i'd have like you know 15 pounds of latex on like yeah, right. silicone i'd be buried it like, that's been me. Cool. yeah right and everybody's yeah. like yeah sure that's you it could be anybody but um 
Yeah, and then I found out, no, no, he's a face character. And not only that, you're going to be a pilot and a cool. rebel pilot. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, you got to wear the suit. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's whole stories about that. But, I mean, I was also very fortunate in that, um, I mean, in, in terms of the racial bigotry that some of the other BIPOC actors mm -hmm. got, uh, I got none of that. None. There was none. Now, I had an advantage because I'm male. Okay. Right. I'm playing a grizzled old X-Wing fighter and I kind of, my face fit the part. Okay. Um, and it was a very small part too. It, it's not like I was the main bad guy or one of the, none of that. I don't so think it's there one are those... any small parts of the Mandalorian personally, well, but yeah, everybody, <laughs> I, I mean, so, there's so little dialogue that everybody stands out. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it was one of those things. And I remember reading like, so the worst I got was people making fun of my weight. Oh, okay. Which is on a whole other level of, oh, huh uh okay that's what you choose like yeah and, and it's, a lot of times it's like okay yeah I'm, I'm like i'm in my late 40s i'm right this is my body shape it's like but a lot of people are like you think the guy would have like tried to lose like a, a little bit of weight if he knew he's going to be on star wars and it's like well i didn't know what part it was but why does that matter to you also and it's how, like, supposed to be a work a day guy it well, worked yeah I, I it really did sort of finally come to me and I realized that these are trolls, mm -hmm. people who are jealous, who are like, so like, oh, and so they're picking at whatever the, and that's low hanging fruit. Somebody's appearance yeah. that is such like no one ever. <laughs> and this for me validated. No one ever was like that performance is shit. Right. A bad actor. <laughs> right. It was always like, man, you think you would have lost some weight? Oh, did you look yeah. so fat? Blah, blah, yeah, blah. It's like, yeah. wow, nothing gets past you, eh? <laughs> nothing gets past you. You're right. I guess everybody in a galaxy far, far away is super skinny. Not. <laughs> Except and so, for Jabba. Right. And it's <laughs> yeah. just like, and then everyone's like, oh, Jack Porkins, Jack Porkins. It's like, yeah, the one heavy set dude. And, and like, well, I don't Well, the guards, I mean, could have been worse. Human face characters. Right, And right, so I was right. like, I, at the end, it's like, it kind of hurt at, lit, at first. Then I thought, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm on yeah. Star Wars. And then I to take, and I had a great time. And then people come in on the, like a little bit on the writing. Right. right because they go they go oh you know you're from alderaan like that one scene i had with gina carano it's like oh you're from alderaan right like did, did you lose anybody and everybody's like oh my god that's such bad dialogue of course she lost somebody blah blah and they're just going on and on and on and i just sort of sat back and went you have no sense of um it, it, subtlety you don't understand the subtlety <laughs> of what's going because obviously yeah. he knows she's lost everyone right he served during then he's not an idiot right. he's prodding her yeah reminding her you know in the kindest possible way that hey you lost everybody why aren't you in this fight mm -hmm. with us type thing and that's the thing there's no sense of nuance or whatever and I, i'd like for me i was just like and to see the discourse happen with that it's like there are other people who just jump in and do that anyways for you and like yep. can't, and so uh, my rule about online comments and stuff like that I step back. I never engage anybody online, even if it is a quote unquote teachable moment, mm -hmm. because it's pointless. Because right. You don't know what the intention is of the other person. They could be just a pure ass troll, in which case mm -hmm. you're feeding them and you're just it, you're enabling and you're absolutely validating what they're saying. Best way to kill a troll. You don't feed it. So I mm -hmm. never interact in that way. Every all of my social media interactions are positive. Okay. I always I try to pump somebody up, encourage people. I want my social media feed to be happy. 
the dark stuff. That's take a lot of self-control. Oh, absolutely. There yeah. are times I've been like, Argh! you got to be like... so close to going, especially yeah. when it's not you, it's somebody else. Yeah. And there's, yeah. you know, there's times where you're like, you, you, you go and you want to write it, you write out this huge thing. And I just delete it because it's like, what's the point? Right. They are going to nitpick a, a typo or a little mistake that you've made or this or that. And then they'll go out or they'll, they'll misread the tone or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard this and I think it's absolutely true. Arguing with somebody online is like trying to have a chess tournament, uh, playing chess with a pigeon. <laughs> it doesn't matter. All over the board. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. It doesn't matter how brilliant your strategy is they're just going to knock all the pieces over <laughs> shit on the board and then strut around like they won. Right. And so it's like, yeah, you, you this is a fool's errand. You're never going to win face to face would be something else though. Okay. And that's the thing. The, th the thing about trolls is they would never have the stones to come up and say this stuff right to your face. One of the things I've always wished was, and this is this blue sky. Mm -hmm. If you want to leave comments on the internet period, you have to register your name. And where uh, you're that's, from. That's why I Actual use my real face. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, guess what? You want, if you you feel that strongly, put your name down and your address. And let's see how brave you are when people know who you are. And that's the thing. We we hide behind keyboards. They say, oh, social justice warriors. You know, people, you're like, well, you're just as bad because you're anonymous. You're a picture mm -hmm. of an egg or something. Yeah. And it's just like, a plant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, camera boys, one, three, six, nine, let's go. I, it, so I don't, that's the other thing too, in terms of the self-care is um, I try not to read the comments. Yeah. On things, it's just hard. Because, you can't avoid yeah. it completely. It's such a no. phenomenon. But it, it yeah. now it's like, if I know now, it's just like, I'm not going to, uh, I'll read a bit. But then once I start to feel, I'm not going to, I stop myself because it's like, don't go down that road because you're just mm -hmm. going to get upset and there's nothing you can do about that. Now, how do you feel about other people who choose another path? The Moses Ingram stuff, you know, um, is an example where official PR clap back. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, it fed the trolls and it made a lot of noise. Um, yeah. how, how do you how do you feel about that? What other people have to do different things to handle the sting? Yeah, I think it's to each their own. Yeah. Um, Everyone's an individual. Uh, I thought it was great that uh, officially Lucasfilm and Disney went and sh you want to feel supported mm -hmm. as a performer. I don't think as a performer, you should have to say anything to defend yourself, especially yeah, with, with, with groundless thing Like the, the amount of dead death threats, yeah. she's playing a role on TV for Christ's yeah. sakes. Yeah, Take and she a was break. great. She was great. She I was wonderful. Yeah, she was fantastic. Great intensity. But it's yeah. like, I think those who utter death threats should really sit back and kind of go, why do you want to kill somebody for playing a fictional character on a show that you loved as a child? You know, what's it's like, in you know, what's interesting about that. They say, cause they feel rejected by the franchise. That's that on is, topic to this discussion. Oh, so. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, you know what? That, that's the thing. Rejected. <laughs> there's always, there's so much content out there. It is geared specifically for somebody who's going to be feel rejected. That whole, if you go woke, you're going to go broke type thing is, let's just call it what it is. It's outright racism right there. It is, it is white supremacy in that sense where it's like, hey, you're mad because it's not a white character leading the narrative. Let's just be honest with it because it's not, you're not getting mad at any Caucasian characters, really. You're just getting mad at the BIPOC characters 
the and the misogyny comes out the transphobia the homophobia all this stuff bubbles up and it's like i'm not the focus of this so i feel rejected it's like you know when you're in kindergarten and you're taught to share right mm -hmm. there's plenty of content out there guess what i grew up and it wasn't my narrative but i didn't yeah. run around screaming and crying and shouting and this and that it's just like there are so there's so much if and at the end of the day if you don't like it be an adult watch something else it's really simple but threatening complete strangers for accepting a dream role in something that yeah. you would kill for and you've shown you'd kill you know that you've threatened you'd kill for it i think it's time to take a break take a time out and just like chill about that i mean really i i think it's symptomatic of deeper issues other than yeah you know, obviously, obviously right but yeah. it's like it's really simple too and if you really want to affect change don't make death threats don't support it then pull mm -hmm. back but here's the thing people will hate watch something and guess what those clicks count too if you want if you watch something they don't care if you hate watch it or you're watching because you love it you're feeding directly into it so if you really want to affect change and this goes for everybody if you're really upset about something then put your money where your mouth is and just stop supporting it Mm -hmm. Don't watch it. Don't do and don't, but don't, you don't have to start a huge campaign saying boycott because you're just bringing more people to want to watch. Well, what's yeah, this controversy about? Let's see this. Yeah, that's that's what a lot of people don't understand. It, it, the attention is attention. Yeah. Right. Positive or negative. Yeah. Right? Now, you've obviously developed this over the years. Oh, absolutely. What are your tips for? Because I, I appreciate your candor that there are times that it's just like, ugh, because. We've all been there. There's all ones that just yeah. sting. There's some it's like, okay, cool. Like I pitched a show to Disney. It was exactly like Gravity Falls and they were already making Gravity Falls. I accept that one. Gravity Falls is a good show. Others, it's like, ugh. How do you not tweet? How do you not lash out? How do you not send that drunk text? How do you practice restraint? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh I honestly, I, I try to stay off social media as much as possible. Yeah. It is one of those things. And when I do pop on, it is again, it's to make myself feel better by promoting fun things or a part of myself that makes that makes me feel good. Now, I, I also don't just sort of post my life is awesome all the time. Like it's not a I, I get it. It is social media, but I think it's gotten to the point now where it's just it's is it's a it's a bit of a, you know, a beast where it can just get away from you so quickly yeah. one little mistake. And it's, you know, you've heard the saying where people go, thank God we didn't have social media around when we were teenagers, right? Cause we'd all mm -hmm. be done. Um, and so like, I, I honestly, I stay off social media for that. When it, when it gets to that, I know that temptation is there. Yeah. We're all human. We want to yell out how unfairly we've, we've, yeah. we feel, yeah, you know, yeah. like we've been jobbed and we've been totally ripped off. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where it feels good in the moment, mm -hmm. but then afterwards, I, it really doesn't help. It doesn't make it doesn't make me feel better in the end. Nothing ever changes because of that. I mean, certain things have, for sure. I'm not going to say nothing. I think that's too extreme. But it's just not I, where you feel comfortable yeah. sitting in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and it's just like for me, it's like I I will vent to my friends. For right. sure. I'll vent to my wife, my dog. I will like, ah, but at the end, you kind of like, you just got to go through it. And it's like, how, how is this going to change? 
what's happened. Me tweeting mm. my angry thoughts. How is this going to change? This is all, it's an outlet, right? It's all about getting it out there and feeling, and then maybe you want some people to rally behind you and go, yeah, yeah that's bullshit. Fuck those guys. But at the end, it's like a little blip, and then everybody forgets, and they move on anyway. And so, I mean, other if it's not a, like a complete huge social injustice, that is, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So there is that kind of rejection of, they didn't fucking get my idea. Why so you know, like I get that, I understand it because you invest so much in that and you oh, think yeah. it's got legs and you get to a certain point and there you get that sort of dismissive sort of like, yeah, no, thank you so much. But uh we've uh, I've I've pitched a number of shows to yeah. get to the networks and yeah. they've all been like, nope, 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 nope. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, when you said off the top, it's not personal. It's like, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just so by the numbers. I was on the floor in that scene with the robot Kevin and Kevin Fage and She-Hulk because that's exactly what it's like. It's like right. you're talking to a machine and you walk out of that like, what just happened? Or right. you're in a pitch meeting and you agree to a whole bunch of stuff just to get the thing done. And you're like, what just happened? And then you yeah. have to sort of go, well, I don't know. For me, it's like, well, that'll be a good story someday. Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds like you're similar, that mm -hmm. you've just got the benefit of years in the business that you can be chill about yeah. it. I wish we could bottle that and distribute right. it to people because, yeah. you know, that's that's why it's good that people like you do talk, you yeah. know, in whatever, because it does show that walking away is possible. It's not weak to back down. It's not weak to walk away. No, and I I think that's why think, it's important that people like you are represented in Star Wars because it is regular people. Yeah, you know. It, I think it takes more restraint and strength to walk away mm -hmm. than to sit and explode and go. That's easy. Losing your shit is easy. Yes, it is. And you could do so much damage in the moment, but you know, at the end, it's like that's going to dissipate. And then what are you going to be left with after that? Yeah, you got to situations are going to change. It's probably way worse. Now it's become personal. It, it just it's this whole cascade of like all these different things for the benefit of like feeling good for like maybe five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then after that is more ugh, it's the regret. It's like you can say thing you you might say something that is completely unforgivable that is not in character or this if you give into that right and especially in today's climate too where there doesn't seem to be any room for forgiveness yeah. at all right and it's just like my I, my best my advice is always just just don't engage my kids do that uh i i tell them i said like they just don't engage why give them don't let them live rent free in your head right you just sort of you don't need to be there. Remove yourself from the situation. Just, you know, let's just move on from it. Um, and there, but there are times where, you know, they, you're going to have, you have to sort of say something because you, at the same time, you don't want people just to walk all over you. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's the balance. That's where you got to find out. Okay. When does this come? Uh, when does this become self-preservation where I need to really, I, I'm literally, I need to say something to protect myself because mm -hmm. I am being attacked versus I'm really upset because I'm not getting my way or I'm not, this is not happening for me. And now I'm going to attack you. Right. There's a difference. 
Uh, and, and that's, that's, that's the thing. And when I was younger too, man, I would rail, I would just yeah. go off. Yeah. I mean, that's why it was bitter Asian too. And that's why I kept it just as a reminder of cool. You know, this is, this is how I was. Uh, none of this came easy. And like you said, yeah, this is years of experience and just mm -hmm. knowing it's like using your energy in a way that benefits you the most. How do you do that? Because your energy, your emotional state is valuable to you. So how do you best keep that up in an optimal way? And life is shitty enough at times where you need to just hold on to every ounce you can just to get through whatever it is you're going through. Yeah. So um, what I'm hearing you say is sometimes it is better to go back to base and fill out reports all day. Sometimes it is. <laughs> for sometimes guys, it is. For people who don't know, that's a line from uh, <laughs> Captain Carson Teva. Captain Carson Teva on It's Not Therapy. Paul Sung Hyung Lee, also known as Appa from Kim's Convenience. Paul, thank you so much for benefiting us with your wisdom and experience in the industry. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Lana. We got one more break to go to and It's Not Therapy. When we come back, what you do when you do lose your ish because of rejection. Stay tuned. The following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. back on It's Not Therapy final segment. I am Leanna Kersner. I am still not a therapist, but I am a big nerd. I can't believe I dropped a guy's line from Star Wars. Yeah, I can. I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. Wasn't Paul great? Paul was great. Paul was so great, he actually talked to me for a half hour. If you want the whole interview with Paul Sunhyung Lee from Kim's Convenience and The Mandalorian, all half hour, unedited glory, you can find It's Not Therapy with me, Leanna Kersner, anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, all those places. You can subscribe. You can listen to the full, full half hour plus talk where I swear I didn't do anything else that nerdy. But as I said before the break, we're going to talk about what happens when someone does say no. And it hits you hard, really hard, really, really hard. Now there's something called rejection sensitive dysphoria. It's not a formal diagnosis. We don't do those here. This is, it's not therapy. It's a big fancy term, a disruptive manifestation of emotional dysregulation. It's very common in people with ADHD, especially adults with ADHD. It's not caused by trauma. It's just an unbearable feeling in response to rejection. And for some people, it isn't, you know, the type of rejection we think of as big life-changing, you know, divorce or getting dumped or something like that. It can be something as simple as teasing or constructive criticism. Now, this may seem, oh, come on, just grow a thicker skin and all that stuff. But if you have rejection-sensitive dysphoria, just toughing through it is not going to work. 
there's a very real belief that rejection sensitive dysphoria does require medication to get under control in most cases you've got you know those those occasional people who can get through it just with cbt or dbt therapy but if this sounds like it describes you if despite your best efforts you struggle with handling any bump in the road this way please talk to your doctor because it's better to get on medication even temporarily than to suffer in silence or suffer very loudly. So for for everybody else, if you feel rejection, it's very important to feel your feelings and process your feelings. Let yourself feel your feelings before you speak or act. Don't let problems that aren't your fault lead to mistakes that are. It helps a lot. And it sounds at first like, oh, God, I must say something. But no. Sit with it. Figure out what you're feeling. Figure out why you're feeling it before you react. It's that bit of self-control that Paul was talking about. And that's why I referred to particular conditions that can't do that for no fault of the person's own please the reason i do this show is that you know what you can do on your own you know what you can't do on your own if this describes you please stop suffering please reach out and get on meds they do work for a lot of people so that's our time this week next week we are gonna focus on mental health and dating i hope if the guest comes through she might reject me. <laughs> Until then, I am Leanna Kirsner. I am still not a therapist. This has been a great episode of It's Not Therapy. And remember, your crazy is only a problem if it's hurting you. See you next time. <laughs>